It's a gospel on the radio talk show. A show about dreams and visions and a church that is indeed triumphant, alive, and well. For the church triumphant is alive and well. Hello, Tallahassee. This is the Gospel on the Radio talk show. I am Pastor Jack King. I am your host, and uh, always excited to be with you on a Sunday morning here on WTSM 97.9, your sports monster on Sunday mornings from seven or six to six to seven. We talk about dreams and visions and a church triumphant, alive and well. We talk about the church and what God is doing in his glorious kingdom. Show number 1021, I have a few rules. We don't talk sports, politics, or doctrine, but we do always speak well of one another. And uh, well, that's worked out real well. And this is kind of an exciting show for me because on the other side of the table here, I have the golden voice of W-A-K-U-F-M, Wave 94, <laughs> Brother Doug Apple himself, manager of W-A-K-U. And uh, we're here to talk a little bit about radio, but also something is uh, kind of on your heart. Brother Doug, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. And, uh, so I was talking about you the other day, by the way. Mm-hmm. All good. <laughs> and, oh, yeah, it was good. Uh, actually, I was talking to my brother because he, I sent him a, a, a link to, that you sent me to the, the Gaither interview. And he said, uh, he sent it to my other brother. And my other brother said, uh, I didn't know he had a radio voice. Well, I didn't know I had a radio voice either, but <laughs> Doug Apple has a radio voice. <laughs> and it's the same here, as you meet in person, it's the same voice. Mm-hmm. But you have been in radio how long? Over 30 years. 30 years. How did you get started? How did I get started in radio? It's a fascinating question. Have you ever heard of the word serendipity? Yes. Where, I don't know what it means. But, but it kind of means, you know, you turn the corner and there it is. Uh-huh. Like, wow. Wow. You know, sometimes you go on a little treasure hunt while reading the Bible and it's serendipity. Now... That word leaves out God and his will and his plans and how he moves. Um, So in this case, I can't say for sure other than in the broad general way that God is involved in everything. You know, is this God's doing? Um, Probably. But anyway, here's the story. How did I get into radio? So I was in college. I was a journalism major going to be a sports writer. Okay. That's why I went to college for journalism. I loved sports, and I just figured I would be a sports writer. But as I got a little older and, you know, the luster kind of wore off of that a little bit, and and really in my mind I was thinking, you know, like, gosh, you know, another game-winning touchdown. Gosh, another uh, buzzer beater basket. (laughs) You know, how many of those can there be? It's just, you know, it starts to lose its luster. You get a little older and you realize, wow, there's – Someday there's going to be Super Bowl 275. (laughs) Wow, you know, big deal. And then what happens is as time goes by, then the old timers are like, it was better in the old days. (laughs) You're like, oh, yeah, okay. (laughs) Anyway, so that was going on in my life where I didn't know if I really wanted to be a sports writer or not. But anyway, one day, living in the dorms, I was coming up from lunch Usually, I had some people with me, and I would just go to my dorm room. But in this case, I was alone, and I came up to the top of the steps and uh, stepped through the door into the hallway where my dorm room was. And at the top of the steps, there was a 
guy my age who had his dorm room there right at the top of the steps and he always had his door open and he had no roommate okay so i never really spoke to him but on this day i was alone and i had time and uh, he was always in there working with uh you know a welder and not not a welder but he was soldering and things like that and i just out of curiosity i knocked on his door and i said what are you doing? Uh-huh. <laughs> and he said, well, I'm building my own computer. Okay. Well, this is back in the early 1980s. Yeah, really? So he's at the cutting edge of that. And he's a technical wizard uh-huh. is what he was and is. So anyway, just through that happenstance, I got to know him a little bit. And it turned out that he also was the engineer for the campus radio station. Okay. So he did all of their wiring and equipment repair that's and a guy to have around (laughs) right and so as i became friends with him then he just said to me one day you ought to have a radio show (laughs) do you like oh well yeah i don't know about that but he kept kind of pestering me about it Uh finally one day he said you know we have an opening at the radio station for a friday morning dj you should do it okay and finally, I got another friend of mine, like a sidekick, and I said, all right, well, just for fun, we'll do it. Okay. And that's how I got into radio. That was in the spring of 1984. Now, this this opening, was this a paid position? No, no, no. 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 It was all volunteers <laughs> at the, it was, right. you know, the university. Okay, okay. So, so you're playing, what, old-time rock and roll? Yeah. I mean, it was pretty... Uh, you know, open to requests. Right. Well, now you said the 80s. Okay, yeah. See, I'm, I'm in a different mindset here. I'm thinking of my era. My era would be the 60s. So 80s. Well, I still think, had old-time rock and roll in the 80s, too. But, <laughs> but, um, uh, but now, what, what, what was popular in the 80s? Well, for example, I mean, you'd get requests for things just, you know, from uh, Alabama. I mean, not Alabama, Sweet Home Alabama, Leonard Skinner. Okay. Um, it, it just, it could be some dance music. It could yeah. be some disco music. <laughs> you know, it could be what New Wave, I think they called it back then. So it was just a, a hodgepodge, you might say, but just whatever the college kids were into, that was the kind of yeah. stuff that you ended up playing. I, I seem to have missed the 80s as far as the music. <laughs> well, it might have been busy. Well, I don't know. I mean, I remember the 60s very, very well because I was in high school and then mm-hmm. I was in the Navy and you see, out there on the, on the ocean, you don't really. Well, you hear music, but it's from probably the fifties. But mm-hmm. and in the eighties, I guess we raised a family that just didn't think much about it, that type of thing. So I, that that era kind of missed me. Well, but, and you were a pastor, true, true, and, and so you are involved in church music. That's true, <laughs> just not pop <laughs> yeah. music, quote unquote. But but interesting enough, even in those days, I really wasn't in, in, involved much in southern gospel either. I just busy, mm-hmm. see, just just busy in life as yep. such. But the thing about it is that that got you started into a career that you're still doing today. Yeah. yeah, I ended up taking one radio class my very last semester of college. In that class, the uh, manager of the local radio station came in and said, hey, I've got a job opening if any of you uh, radio students want to apply. And I did. Okay. And I went and applied and I got that job. So then coming right out of college, I was working there at the local, you know, not the university station, but the local town station. Now, I'm just curious. Your parents sent you to college to get an, an education, a degree. Mm-hmm. And you ended up being a DJ at a radio station. Mm-hmm. What did they think about that? You know, my parents have always been pretty open to uh-huh. uh, whatever. Right. <laughs> you know, they, they were not the kind that 
you know, would browbeat any of us kids into, you need yeah. to do this, you ought to do that. Well, if I think about it, is it in the economic uh, sphere, mm-hmm. probably that wasn't one of the higher paid jobs that you could have if you had gone out into the secular world and maybe, I mean, your your degree was in journalism. If you worked for a newspaper, would probably have been more money, you think? Or not? Yeah, maybe, yeah. but actually, I by that time, I had started minoring in public relations. Okay. So, and I was the uh, president of the Public Relations Student Society of America local chapter. Okay, so, so I'm, I'm seeing something happening here. Yeah, so I was definitely yeah. on the track to be in public relations. Okay. So, the journalism, I never changed my major, but... I adopted this minor of public relations, got real involved in that. So that was probably where I was headed as a profession. Okay. But uh, what I'm what I'm trying to figure out here, and I know you, mm-hmm. <laughs> your passion. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this the other day because uh, you know what my passion is. I mean, I'm I'm a preacher, pastor, mm-hmm. love gospel music and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. Your passion, obviously, you love radio, mm-hmm. but you also love developing people. Mm-hmm. <laughs> from from what I see and just what I've observed mm-hmm. as a as a manager of a local Christian FM radio station, mm-hmm. I'm just one of your projects, <laughs> <Right>. and, and <laughs> definitely, and he knows I'm I'm a project. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I mean, is is that kind of your your drive? Well, to develop people. The, the drive that drive just comes from God putting it in me, mm-hmm. and just in the essence of uh, being a teacher. And being one that uh, I feel like God has called me to do. You talk about different people who are my projects. I uh, feel like this is what God has me doing right mm-hmm. now. Right. So instead of working on like the Doug Apple show. Right. Um, I don't care anything about that. I do care about seeing what God is putting in others and in playing my part to maximize that. Right, right. And I, and I see that. Yeah, that's that's very obvious. That's where God, yeah. God has you, and, and God is using you in that way. Now, during this time that you were doing this, were you a believer? So, I was raised in the Lutheran Church. Okay. There was never a time I didn't believe in Jesus. Okay. Or believe in the Bible, or believe that Jesus died for our sins, or Jesus rose on the third day. And I was actually confirmed in the Lutheran Church, went through the catechism, all of that, and uh, I never didn't believe it. I just never applied it okay. to my daily life. I'm like, yeah, that's that thing over there that you do at church, and and Jesus is real, and all of that, and and here's my life on a day to day basis. So I was not putting two and two together there. So it wasn't until then, after, I said that was in the spring of 84, I started on the radio. In the summer of 84, I gave my life to Christ. Okay. So then I went back to school for my senior year, the fall of 84, and that's when I went to the station management and said, hey, I'd like to do a Christian show. Ah. And they said, oh, well, you know, we used to have a guy who did a Christian show on Sunday afternoons. We'll let you do that. There's some albums right over there. Well, I didn't have any albums. He's like, there's some albums over there. So it was people like DeGarmo and Key and Amy Grant and Larry Norman and, you know, some of these uh, Jesus people, you know, the Jesus music in the 70s. And so those are the albums they had. So that's what I started playing. Okay. Now, don't, don't. Let's not lose our place here, mm-hmm. but we cannot let this go by. We got to go back. You said you got saved. Mm-hmm. What happened? 
Well, what happened was my girlfriend, my wife, my wife now, but she was my girlfriend at the time. She went back to her home in the Chicago area. I lived south of Chicago, so we were separated. And my best friend from school in my hometown had gone to Texas to work on oil rigs. Okay. So people were kind of away from me, and I was just sort of being a little homebody. This is the summer, you know, before you go back to school in the fall. Meantime, my sister asked me to go to a Mike Adkins concert, which is at a local church. And he was kind of a country singer slash preacher, okay. evangelist kind of guy. It was just a very low-key church service. So she was kind of nervous asking me. This is my younger sister. She didn't figure I would go. Well, I did go because I didn't have anything else to do. Okay. So I'm like, yeah, I'll go, whatever. You know, I've been to a million church services. I'm sure it'll be something to do. And probably dad will take us out for dinner afterwards. (laughs) (laughs) And he did. Right. So he got the perks there. So I said, yes. So we went. And Mike Adkins, I don't know if you ever heard of Mike Adkins, Assembly of God preacher, Mm, minister. Um, At some point, he wrote a book called A Man Called Norman and focused on the family, made it into a movie. Okay. So anyway, he's singing and uh, ministering and you know it's very kind of country gospel oriented and it comes to an end it's over and then uh this uh, man stands up over here an old man probably 80 white hair and he starts speaking in tongues you'd never heard of that before had you i've heard of that Never seen it? Uh, ever I've seen it before? before. I've heard it before. Okay. Okay. I didn't even, didn't not believe it, just didn't care that much. Okay. You know, so yeah, it was not like a shocking thing, but he did. And then uh, Mike Adkins offers the interpretation and he says, remember this, the service is over. It, it's almost, it's like 99.9% over. He, we did, he just hasn't said go yet. And he gives this interpretation and it is sister Take your brother by the hand and lead him to me, and all my people will be blessed. Aha. Uh-huh. Now, is this re- re- referring to you? I mean, your, your sister? Well, or, or a sister. my sister was right there, okay. and I was sitting right by her, and, you know, but I thought, oh, well, you know, whatever, and uh, didn't take any action on it. Time to wrap up the service. So now he's basically, you know, getting ready to say goodbye, you know, go by my table and buy some tapes or something. And the old man stands up again and speaks in tongues again. And then Mike Adkins gives the interpretation. Sister, take your brother by the hand and lead him to me and all my people will be blessed. So I thought, well, that's kind of weird. <laughs> you know, I said I'd seen that sort of thing yeah. before, but I've never seen it before or since twice. Uh-huh. The exact same thing. You ever seen that before? I can't really recall. The exact same thing. <laughs> so I thought, well, that's kind of strange. Then over across the way, this uh, there was this boyfriend and girlfriend that I was acquainted, acquainted with. She takes him up front. I'm like, there it is, you know, that's that's who they're talking about. Now we can go. Now we're getting ready to leave. You know, they pray with that couple up there. 
old man stands up again, speaks in tongues again. Mike Adkins gives the interpretation again. Sister, take your brother by the hand <laughs> and lead him to me and all my people will be blessed. So now I am feeling a little nervous. I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, this is like something else going on here. So Mike Adkins says, you know, God is really trying to do something here tonight. He's really trying to get through to somebody. So everybody here, let's get on our knees and pray. So that's when it ran through my mind. For the first time, I'm sort of making a deal with God. And I say, all right, um, not even with God, just with myself. If everybody, everybody, you know, 200 people or whatever was there, if everybody gets on their knees, I'll know it's me. Because I thought... There's no way everybody, somebody's just going to sit down. Somebody's not going to get on their knees. Somebody's going to leave and go to the bathroom. And then, I'll, you know, that'll break the spell, quote unquote. <laughs> sure enough, boom, everybody goes on their knees. And I just looked at my sister and I said, well, I guess let's go. <laughs> and so we went up to the altar. No tearful repentance. I just, I did pray a little prayer. I said, God, um, I'm going to start reading the Bible. And if you're real, just make it jump off the page at me. Amen. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and that was it. And I know that my sister and my dad were excited. They thought something really special had happened. And I'm thinking, well, nothing really that special happened. You know, I mean, it was unusual for sure. So the next day I start reading the Bible and it is jumping off the page. Wow, wow. And from that day to this day, the Bible just comes to life hmm. whenever I pick it up and read it. Now, where was your sister at that point? Where was, where was her faith? I mean, was she? Well, she was really walking with God. Okay. I mean, she'd had revival moments. She was involved in a youth group. Um, so, yeah, she, her faith was really strong and is really strong to this day. Okay. So, at that point, reading the scripture, the word, you know, when it goes forth, it, it hits the target. Mm -hmm. It's wicked powerful, as it says. So that began a change in your life. Oh, so huge! Just so, so now you're right you're, you're working at the radio station. You're you've gone to the manager. Hey, let's do a Christian show. Mm -hmm. And they say, Yeah, let's do it. So how'd that go? Oh, it went fine. I didn't know the music. And so I kind of do a little bit like you do on your your year-end countdown. I did a weekly countdown of my favorite songs. There you go. <laughs> Works for me. There was no chart. There was nothing else. I didn't know if there was even such a thing as a Christian music chart. But I was immersing myself in the music. I was taking the albums and listening to them at home and kind of picking my favorites, you know, why I liked them. And then that's what ended up on the show that next weekend. So as far as uh, church music, you were used to more traditional hymns, that type of thing. Yeah, take Southern Gospel. I never heard of Southern Gospel till I started working at a station that played Southern Gospel. Okay. Now, I realized that I had heard Southern Gospel songs before. Right, right. Um, I just didn't call it that. I didn't know it was called that. Well, I find that there is a, a, a niche for it, mm -hmm. <laughs> and not everybody has the niche. Mm -hmm. I was having a conversation with my wife on, on Sunday. We were going over to the Gaither con concert. Actually, it was Saturday. 
and I mentioned uh, my favorite song, which is John Saw from Gold City. And she said, well, that's that's kind of a local group, isn't it? And I said, <laughs> Gold City? <laughs> she said, well, I don't know. Yeah, Because yeah. she doesn't listen to gospel music. And she'll, I mean, she listens to my show sometimes, but mm-hmm. that's not, not her thing. She, but you now, contemporary, yeah, she's she's all into that sort of thing. So, I mean, so like I say, it's a acquired taste for many. Mm-hmm. And there's some of us, it just... It just works for me. It just works. I love all the banjos and the mandolins and all that sort of thing. So, how did the, uh, the show go? How long did you do it? That that particular show. I did that for a year, a school year. Okay, a fall and a spring semester. Now this was at this the the downtown at the station. University. Yeah. No, you talking about you talking about still at the university. At still when you my volunteer. senior year in college. Okay, so that's that when you the pitched university. the uh, the idea of a Christian show. Right. Okay, so then they offered you a job at a local station there in that town. Right, and I worked there for one year because my girlfriend, who became a fiance, became my wife. She had one more year of school. Okay. So then that just kind of put me there for another year. So the school year from 85 to 86, I was working at the community, you know, say, you know, the local town station. They had an AM and FM. They did country on the AM and uh, kind of pop music for the college kids on the FM station. Okay. Okay. And I started just doing some computer programming and commercial recording, doing the voice on commercials. Okay. And wasn't DJing like that, but then pretty soon they were like, you know, we need to make you a DJ. So they put me on in the evenings. Uh huh. So I, now all of a sudden I'm the evening DJ and I'm playing music I don't want to play. Such as? Well, just like back then it was people like Bon Jovi, you know, or whenever he came out. I can't even remember the names of all the groups, but, you know. A Tina Turner, I think, was oh, so, so, okay. big on the charts. So we've, we've already passed on from the time you're doing the Christian show at the uh, college station. Now right. you're at a secular station doing secular music. Doing secular again. music. Yeah, okay. And I remember one time I was at the grocery store and I ran into some college girls and they were like, we were listening to your show last night. And I'm like, you shouldn't listen to that show. <laughs> My own show. <laughs> because of the music? Because of the secular music. Oh, I see. Because I was already like, you know, this stuff is like not healthy for a Christian. <laughs> so what happened? Did you finally just give it up and go? Yeah, you know, I uh, I had a slow rising conviction within me as I kind of became aware of Christian radio and and there weren't nearly as many Christian stations back then as there are today. But... It was a, a slow conviction, and I didn't get a word from the Lord. I have gotten words, I think, that came from God, literally in words. And this was just a feeling, in a sense, a conviction, like, you know, if I could do this full-time for God, I should. Mm-hmm. And in the meantime, I was learning to be a strong witness in a secular workplace. Which is very important. Yeah, so I kind of learned that, you know, where you're going to draw some lines and where you're going to take a stand. And, for example, I remember one incident where the uh, sales lady, and I loved her, Betty was her name. Uh, She was a smoking, drinking, (laughs) raspy-voiced veteran of the radio wars, you know. And she came to me and she said, uh, Doug, I need you to record these Bush beer commercials. Uh Uh-oh. And I said, well, I'm not going to do a Bush beer commercial. What do you mean? You, you're not going to. I want you to do it. You're, yours is the voice that needs to be on this. I was like, well, I'm just not going to promote alcohol. She's like, 
she got really upset. She's like, you need to leave your religion at home. <laughs> I was like, well, you know, somebody else will do it. It'll be fine. And somebody else did do it, and it was fine, and we got along fine after that. But then they knew. Uh-huh. Oh, well, you know, don't give the, if there's a club, don't give him right. the ad. If right. it's for beer, don't give him the ad. So, you know, I just kind of learned, because it's a little nerve-wracking when you have to take a stand, because you're thinking, sure. well, you know, they could fire me. But, uh, but again, you were only at the station for a year. Yeah, well, when station. you start, you don't know. Right, right. The end. So, 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 <laughs> so what happened next? I mean, where did you, you go to after that? So I had the slow conviction that I should work in Christian radio. Okay. And I actually applied at, you know, sent maybe one or two applications out thinking, you know, oh, well, gee, as soon as I apply, I'll get the job, right? Um, but there weren't any openings or they didn't want me or whatever the case was or they wanted more experience. I don't know. But I didn't get an opportunity. Meanwhile, this is where it gets a little crazy, and I would never advise anybody to do this. Just through my prayer times, I felt like God was leading me to quit. Okay. And uh, it's kind of funny because I wrote a letter that I was going to send out to all the Christian radio stations in Illinois, which at the time might have been seven or really? eight, really? nine, or wow. that many. Um Whatever it was, I just, and, and I, my prayer was that one, I said, God, just open the door at one, because if it's two, I don't know if I can make the decision <laughs> properly. Wow. You know, according to God's will, because yeah. you're going to look at things like opportunity and upward mobility and <laughs> pay and benefits and location. And well, those are all great worldly ways to right, make a decision. Right. But I didn't want to make it based yeah, on that. See, that's, that. That would be like me. I, I just, God, what's, what's your will? That's what I <laughs> yes, would have to yeah, know. Yeah, That's all I wanted yeah, to know. Right. I, I didn't care if I could know that. And I figured, well, if there's only one, well, then that'll be the one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and if it's not God's will, he can't blame me. Right. The others didn't offer. Right. So I wrote out a letter that I was going to send out, and I took it to my pastor at the time. And, you know, he was uh, much more experienced in these things, and I just bounced it off of him, and and he was a pastor of the Assembly of God Church there, and he said, well, you know, they're going to, it kind of comes off like you're a charismaniac. And I was like, oh, well, okay. He said, I, I don't know, you know, I don't know if I'd advise it. I was like, okay, well, I'm doing it anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> but here's the thing. I was getting married. Okay. So six weeks out from my marriage, I was quitting. And I already told him, okay, well, this I'm getting married. This will be my last day. And I didn't have another job. And I was going to have a new wife to take care of. This story sounds vaguely familiar, only to put my name there. <laughs> I, I, I think I've heard this story before, but go, go ahead. Yeah. So um, I got one... I mean, I got a couple answers, but only one that said, hey, you know, we'd like to meet you. Mm-hmm. And so I ended up meeting them. And then I, our honeymoon, we didn't have a fancy honeymoon. We didn't go on a fancy trip. Our honeymoon was moving to that new job. <laughs> okay. Now, what does she think about all of this? I mean, here you are. You're pursuing a career that uh, has its ups and downs and this mm-hmm. sort of thing. And you, you're leaving one secure job for another job. What did she think about all this? Well, she never complained. <laughs> but And she married you anyway. And she married me. 
I mean, uh, I don't know what she might say today, but I know at the time she was just going along. Uh I think she probably thought, well, you know, if he's hearing from God, that's what we'll do. Now, what was her career in? I mean, she graduated from from college. She graduated with a degree in family services. Okay. Okay. And she is now a school teacher at Community Christian School. Okay. And so she's been teaching kids in school for 20 years or more you see, now. I, I, I've always compared uh, this thing to Sarah and Abraham mm-hmm. because the thing is is that Sarah was not called mm-hmm. to do anything but Abraham's wife mm-hmm. and uh, she had to follow that crazy old man <laughs> out into the, to the wilderness the whole thing and, and that's that's my wife she's had mm-hmm. to follow this crazy old man and put up with all <laughs> of my uh, things because uh, you, know, you when you follow ministry Money, if if money's what mo- is mo- is what's motivating you, I, I think there's just something missing there. I mean, to me, it's all about the call. What, what's what's God mm-hmm. saying here? And uh, somehow or another, it will work out because it always does. That's my philosophy. Yeah, well, it, there is a real God. He really is alive. It's yeah. not a dusty old religion with a dusty old book of instructions. It's the real living God. He created the world. Right. He is leading his people, and he can certainly provide. And yeah, there's a lot of times when I look at the future, and I'm like, I don't even know what's going to happen, but I've lived long enough now where I look back and like, God, you really did some amazing work. Right, right. And sometimes things that happen, when they happen, you might question that. Again, I was thinking about it. When I was at WCVC, 1330 AM, doing my talk show, Mm -hmm. of course, it was all volunteer. And actually, I was raising ads to do it. And then one day, I got this call. just finished up the show. The station manager called, said, that's your last show. So he said, well, you're done. And you know, I look back on that now, and I, I said, well, that, that seemed to be a bit of a crisis in my yeah. life. But if that had not happened, I'd probably still be at 1330 a.m. Mm-hmm. doing, doing the, what I do. So, so God has a way. He closes this. He opens up this. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is where you know, the old hymn says, trust and obey. There's right. no other way <laughs> yep. to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Mm-hmm. So that's what you did. You just followed. So how, how did the new station work out? Well, it worked out great. The uh, manager who hired me got fired the day I got hired. Oh, that's encouraging. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that you walk in and you're like, the uh, owner was there, and he really wasn't the guy who hired me. It was the manager who hired me, and the manager got fired that day for uh, basically misappropriating funds. Oh. And, uh, you know, just playing a little fast and loose. Not necessarily criminal, but Mm. definitely not what the owner wanted or knew about. So anyway, he got fired. I walked in. The owner said, "Uh, you're late. The manager's been fired. (laughs) I thought, what have I got myself into? That was your first greeting. (laughs) Pretty much it, yeah. And and I I was uh, starting on the midnight shift. That's what I was hired for, Uh like the bottom of the barrel. And they immediately moved me to the evening shift. Okay. And so, and then within a couple of years, I was doing the morning drive times, you know. How many employees did this radio station have? Maybe between full-time and part-time, maybe up to 10. Cause so, that's a pretty good size station then. Back then, you were live all the time. Yeah, and, yeah. So, you had to have lots of DJs, not to mention your behind-the-scenes people. Right. Did, did they, they had, was it like WKRP where they had Les Nesman? The, it was a little. We had a Les. <laughs> yeah, we had a Les. We had a Herb Tarlick. <laughs> you got to have your salespeople. 
<laughs> sort of thing. Yeah, because we are. I've always worked in commercial radio. I've uh-huh. never worked in listener supported. Right, right. So it's always you go out, you sell airtime. But now you're all of those people. <laughs> now I am. Yes. <laughs> you, you do the sales. You, I mean, you do the production. You do it all. <laughs> yeah, and I love it. Yeah. I mean, it's a really unique situation right right and uh, but i i thoroughly enjoy it uh the the voice that you're listening to is uh doug apple he is the manager of waku here in uh, tallahassee uh that's wave 94 and that's also the uh, show that i do the saturday night gospel singing to a daily broadcast there as well and uh i've worked with doug for a lot of years now the the reason why he's here and we're going to get to this in just a few minutes is that he's written a pamphlet and now are you Brother Doug, are you aware of the history of the pamphlet? Uh, well, I guess not. Well, I mean, in the early days, in the founding of our country, pamphlets mm-hmm. between newspaper print, but people like uh, Thomas Paine, uh, Benjamin Franklin, these these people would write these pamphlets, mm-hmm. and, and they would become very, very popular, and uh, people would get upset over some of these pamphlets. <laughs> but, but a lot of the ideas about freedom and stuff were from these pamphlets mm-hmm. because you didn't have any other way. You didn't have radio. You didn't have, a, well, I guess, newspapers were, I suppose they had newspapers then, but mm-hmm. these pamphlets were very, very popular. Mm-hmm. And so the one you've written is called Forgiveness. And so we're going to get back to that. But I asked Brother Doug, pick out the song. And I said, what's your favorite group? Well, one of them, and that's the Isaacs. So this is called Bring Your Vessel by the Isaacs. Now, you may wonder if you're a regular listener to the Saturday Night Gospel Sing that airs on 94.1. You might say, well, Pastor King, why have you never played that song on the Saturday Night Gospel Sing? Well, there's a very uh, good answer to that. Simply this. That is the uh, theme song. You only hear just a part of it with the banjos and the mandolins and all that sort of thing with my son coming in with a with voiceover. Mm-hmm. So that's why I don't play it on the show. But I love the little song. <laughs> and, and, of course... I like all of those instruments, the banjos and the mandolins and the fiddles and all that sort of thing. It's got them all mm, <laughs> in there, does. or the Isaacs. Let me just tell you, uh, tomorrow's church day, I am the pastor of Freedom Road Christian Ministry, 720 Capital Circle Northeast. We love having visitors come and worship with us. 11.05 is our start time. You can find us at frcm.us. Also, you can find this show on the podcast It'll be show number 1,021, and Brother Doug does all of that, so it'll be out next week sometime, Brother Doug. And so, well, well, let's see, we're recording on a Tuesday night, and it's going to air on Sunday the 22nd, and so it'll be after that. Mm-hmm. That you can listen, if you want to listen to it, or share it with a friend. It's always good to do that. And of course, the Saturday Night Gospel Sing, Saturday night, 7 o'clock, on WAKU, Wave 94, 7 o'clock, and then the, the daily broadcast, Monday through Friday at 11 o'clock. And then my good friend, Rob, uh, Robin Fiesmeyer, AAA Heating and Air, does Heating and Air with Excellence, 893-9566. If you need a new unit, get the old one repaired. He used to get a call. So, forgiveness. Why Why was that something that you felt led to write a pamphlet over? Okay, so the pamphlet is entitled Preemptive Forgiveness. Okay. All right. So, preemptive forgiveness is different than just forgiveness. 
of course we're told to forgive. When you think of a Bible verse about forgiveness that tells us to forgive, what's one that comes to your mind? Uh, doing to others as you would do unto you. I mean, that was the golden rule, right? Well, that's yeah. a big one. But if you don't care if they forgive you, you don't have to forgive them. <laughs> true, true. So give me another one. Oh, my goodness. You put me on the spot here. Forgiveness. Um, how about the one where it talks about the, the brother who was offended because uh, his his brother was not sharing the inheritance with him. Mm-hmm. And he told him, he says, look, life consists not in the abundance of one's possessions. Mm-hmm. So in other words, you're, you're getting this whole thing wrong. You're upset with your brother because of something that's tangible. Mm-hmm. It's not going to matter in eternity. How's that do? Yeah, well, there is that offense okay. that that brother felt. And we're going to talk about that in just a second. But there are scriptures such as, for if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your father forgive your trespasses. Very good. Very good. So that's a pretty direct yeah. order right. to forgive other people. Right. Uh, the Lord's Prayer. Uh, forgive us our trespasses as we, as we forgive right. those who trespass. Very succinct, us. yes. You know, Peter said, how many times are we going to have to forgive? And Jesus says, it depends on your translation, 70 times 7, or or whatever the idea being, you keep on forgiving. Right. You forgive right. and you keep on forgiving. Into infinity, yes. So, we know we're supposed to forgive, and we know we're supposed to love everybody. Right. Love God, love people. Love your neighbor. Love your enemy. So you're supposed to love people. Right. And forgive people. Right. So when we try to tie all this together, if someone has offended you, hurt you, anywhere from the smallest offense they rolled their eyes at you to a criminal offense they they committed a bodily crime against you, anywhere on the spectrum, you're supposed to forgive them. Right. So the question is when are you supposed to forgive? <laughs> yes. So how would you answer that, Pastor? I'm here for some counseling. When am I supposed to forgive them? Well, you're supposed to forgive them immediately. The problem is that we're dealing with the human heart and we're dealing with human emotions. Mm-hmm. And emotions won't allow you to just forget and forgive. Mm-hmm. It's a process. Mm-hmm. And uh, for me to understand this is that you're also dealing with something that's spiritual here because there's spiritual warfare taking place. Right. Because the devil doesn't want you to forgive. Nope. And he's going to keep coming back and accusing you about what's going on in your heart toward this person that you said you forgave, but you really, according to what the devil would say, mm-hmm. you really haven't. And so it begins a process of reminding the devil that he is a liar. Mm-hmm. And he is the author of lies. So you have to keep reminding him, and there's a process that takes place to where truly forgiveness actually happens. Mm-hmm. Now, that's my way of looking at it. So, I usually say this, if there's time lapsed between the offense and the forgiveness, that's just time you suffered. Okay. You were angry. You were bitter. You were offended. Right. You had no relationship with them. You certainly didn't love them. Because of what they did. And you felt like you had a right to be better. You had a right, but it didn't make you any happier. No, no. You really you're didn't still, have a right, but you felt like you did. Yeah. yeah. You're just angry. You're yeah. upset. How right. dare they? Right. They owe me. Right. Until you forgive. So you forgive. God gave us this special gift of the ability to forgive people. Right. So finally, one day, 
months, years, decades later, you forgive them, and you're finally set free from that bondage of unforgiveness. But you paid a tremendous price in the meantime. You sure did. So that's why I say the question is, when do you forgive? You know you're supposed to forgive, so when do you forgive? So I started, you said, forgive him instantly. So I, I, for a while, I was promoting instant forgiveness. I said, so they offend you, they say something bad about you, you know, they roll their eyes at you, they slap you, they steal from you. You take the hit, but you quickly forgive. So you take the hit and then you forgive. That'd be instant mm-hmm. forgiveness. And then I just started thinking, why wait? Why wait? You already know it's coming. <laughs> so Jesus said in John 17, he said, it's impossible that no offenses should come. Uh-huh. But woe to those through Okay, so when come. you're saying why wait, you're talking about forgiving somebody even before they've done before something? Before they've done it because you already know they're going to do it. Okay. You already know something dumb is going to happen. All right, so I know you thought this through. So how do you do that? Here's how I do it. Okay. So every morning, I pray the Lord's Prayer. Okay. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses. When I come to that part, I say, God, forgive me. Forgive me for everything I've done. I repent. I turn towards you. I don't want to grieve or quench the Holy Spirit. I don't want anything to come between me and you. I repent. I come clean. That's forgive us our trespasses. Now you, you realize you just changed my whole prayer mode now. <laughs> Good. That's the point. <laughs> then I pray. Then it comes as we forgive those who trespass against us. And then right. I say, God, I forgive everybody for everything past, present, and future. God, I preemptively forgive them now so that no matter what they do, what they say, I am free to love them the way you want me to love them in the power of your spirit flowing through me. That's how I do it. So I cover it to start the day. Lord, whatever's going to happen today, I forgive them. And, and I can't picture it because I don't know what's going right. to happen, but, you know, they dent my car. They steal from my house. They, uh, whatever somebody's going to do something, they don't pull out from the stoplight fast enough. Now, you do realize that the logical mind that's out there listening to you today is going, that's, that's not logical. I mean, if, if from the, the human perspective, they say, that's not logical. Well, yeah, I've had people say, um, well, you can't forgive them before it happens. Well, but you told us that you did. I mean, and not only that, you gave us the example in the Lord's Prayer. It's kind of hard to argue with that. And the fact, so I call it preemptive forgiveness based on the idea of a preemptive strike. All right. The Bible says we are not unaware of the devil's devices. Of course, I always say, well, yes, we are. (laughs) We're unaware. (laughs) And like you said, the devil's going to come at you with this. He's going to come at you with that. Yeah. All right. So if we knew, I just use this hypothetical example, if we knew that Cuba was going to bomb Miami off the map, right off the end of Florida, they're just going to drop a few bombs, boom, Miami's gone. Sorry, Miami. (laughs) So they're building a base. We get the intel, hey, they're building this launcher down there, and as soon as they get it built, they're bombing Miami. What are we going to do? Well, I've had some people say, well, I guess we wait and see if they do it. No. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's not what you're going to do. Yeah. You're going to launch a preemptive strike and you're going to say, hey, you people down there, you're building this launcher. Stop building it. If you keep building it, we're going to wipe it off. Wipe uh-huh. it out. They do keep building. You wipe it out. So it never gets launched. Uh-huh. So the devil wants you to carry unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. He does. That is a strike that okay. he's going to launch on you when somebody offends you in smaller great ways. When somebody comes to bring the offense, the devil's going to bring unforgiveness. Okay. Well, you just do a preemptive strike. I already forgave that. So, oh yeah, hey, that guy said you were an idiot. Well, that's all right. I love him. I really do love him. <laughs> well, what about that offense? That offense never got off the ground. The, uh, the unforgiveness never got launched because I already forgave it. Right. So that I can look at everybody through the eyes of love and just look at them. But not me, but Jesus in me. Right. But it comes back to you've made this choice. Most people don't make that choice. That's and, why the and, pamphlet. Right, I understand. But <laughs> most people don't even make that choice even after. after. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, you, you talk about somebody who suffered for a long, long time because they choose to not forgive. Right. That's a choice. And so, like I say, sometimes I've known some, uh, a family, two families, that for over 40 years lived across the road from each other and uh, used to be the best friends mm-hmm. who something happened. And they refused to forgive until until they were both old. Yeah, that's the devil's devices. Yeah. And and all the harm that took place is a result of that. But yeah. again, we're talking about dealing with the human emotion. And I know that forgiveness is a spiritual thing, but but through the work of the spirit, it has to deal with the emotion of the human being. So we know love is not an emotion. Uh, I don't know about that. You know, you don't think love is an emotion? Well, there are emotions tied to it. Absolutely. So I've got uh, this is a chess move, and I got you either way. <laughs> okay. So wherever, whichever way you want to go. All right, let's, let's, if love let's, is an emotion, if love is not an emotion, all right, I'm going to say that it is. Okay, so if love is is an emotion, then forgiveness is an emotion, uh, and I would agree with that too. And you do it in advance; you've already tapped it. All right. Okay. Okay. So now the unforgiveness tries to come in. Guess what? You've already filled that emotion tank with forgiveness. It's already filled up. You did it that morning. You're like, God, I forgive them. I don't know what they're going to do. I'm going to walk out. My brand new car is going to be scratched in the public's parking lot. Am I going to be mad? Am I going to hate the other guy? Now, you can still call the police. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I mean, I believe in holding people accountable. Sure, sure. So that doesn't change at all. You don't let anybody get away with yeah. murder. But what you do is, in love, you hold them accountable. Yeah, now let's take the other approach. Let's say it's not. It's not an emotion. Mm -hmm. Now how we deal with that? Good. All right, so if it's not an emotion, now it's just a logical act of your will. Well, once again, you've still accomplished it. Because in the morning, you, you, through an act of your will, just like if you said, well, I'm going to love my wife, even if I don't have that crush that puppy love i don't look at her like i did in school and be like oh she's so amazing but through an act of your will you're just like you know what i love my wife and we're together forever that's that's it it." i had to go with the that i believe the love is emotion (laughs) you know why you've read my book yeah my my whole premise 
about love. Mm-hmm. I said, what is love? And I, and I go through this whole thing. People say, well, love is uh, chapter 13 of 1 Corinthians. I said, yeah, <laughs> well, that's a manifestation of it, but what is it? Yeah. And my thesis is mm-hmm. that love is choice. Mm-hmm. Because you have to deal with the whole thing about motion. Even if, if, you, if you start to be attracted to somebody, it's a choice whether or not you pursue that or you don't sure. pursue that and, and the whole thing. And it comes down to choice. That's why I have to write a sequel to the book. <laughs> <laughs> and the sequel is Dreams and Visions and Stories of Love mm-hmm. because I have to prove my point. And I think if you if you started examining people who've been married 40, 50 years or whatever, mm-hmm. you'll find that the love all along has been a choice because we've all been through hard times mm-hmm. in marriage, has been through those struggles. You choose, are you gonna are you gonna toss it in? You're gonna work your way through it. So my kids get along real well. I have four children, they're all adults, they all have kids of their own. It's a real blessing to see how they get along. I was talking to my middle daughter one day and I just said something like, well, what do you think a, a key is that you guys all get along when, of course, a million things would have happened that you could have had grudges about? Mm-hmm. And she just said, well, you have to let a lot of things slide. Choice. Forgiveness. Yeah. It, when you say let it slide, yeah. in essence, you're forgiving it. Mm-hmm. So they all know each other you know they grew up together so they know hey this one's gonna say something it might be a little snide it might be half mean you know they're gonna make this little snarky comment well you could take offense or you could just let it slide because hey our relationship my love for you trumps any offense i feel because you choose to forgive right so the preemptive forgiveness is a means to the end of loving your neighbor like God tells us to. Right. And his spirit in us wants to bear that fruit of love. It's just going to be us that blocks it. Right. If we're not loving everybody like God wants us to, it's us blocking it through such things as taking offense. Right. But it does come back to choice. We, we sure. choose. We choose. We, we choose whether or not we want to follow the spirit or we want to follow the flesh. Yep. Now, and again, I don't. I don't. Don't mean to be taking anything away from the spirit itself. Mm-hmm. But it does come down to where we have to make that decision: Am I going to follow this or am I going to follow this over here? Mm-hmm. That's choice. Yep. And, and life is so much about choice. Whether we deal with our emotions or we don't deal with our emotions, it's a choice. Mm-hmm. People all times choose not to deal with their emotions and they end up paying a tremendous physical burden as a result of it but you know just talking about emotions forgiving someone else fills you with a magnanimous emotion Mm -hmm. because you really did do the right thing the big thing you're the bigger person in a sense and and because it's obeying god it fills you with positive emotions. Sure, sure. And so that's why I'm saying it. You've already kind of filled an emotional tank, like you've set yourself up for good things right. by preemptively forgiving. It's kind of like muscle memory in a way. In other words, the more you do it, sure. And if you're doing it every day, yeah. Then you know I've had people tell me all kinds of things. I had a lady tell me, you know, somebody pulled. I went to Best Buy, and this guy whipped into the parking place right in front of me. I said, well, what'd you do? And uh, she said, I went over, I parked my car. He hadn't got out yet. I went over, I knocked on his window, and I let him have it. I'm like, really? This is a good Christian woman. Right there in the parking lot. You just went over there and let him have it. 
I said, what about loving the guy? <laughs> well, he can't do that. Well, you know what? You know, maybe you can, uh, in a very loving Christ-like way, hold him accountable for that in some way, but you're not doing it. In this case, she did it out of offense. Mm -hmm. She was offended. You know, you did that to me. Right. How dare you do that to me? Right. That's to, offense. To hold them accountable, you might say, uh, I just want to let you know what you did there could have been really dangerous and people could have been hurt. Just just, just want you to know that and then walk on. <laughs> yeah. It, it'd be real hard to handle it properly in the flesh. Right. right. Maybe impossible. And we're coming back to the same thing of choice. But in the spirit. <laughs> yeah. So much of life, the things that we do, the things we deal with has to do with what we choose to do. Do we have time for one more story? Uh, you got two minutes. About a minute and a half. David Wilkerson told the story of going to the gangs of New York to minister to them. Right. He was preaching on the streets one day, and a gang leader, a murderer named Nicky Cruz, mm -hmm. confronted him on the street trying to shut him up. Right. Like, preacher, shut up. Probably spiritual warfare. Nicky Cruz was a murderer. Right. Had a switchblade. And he said, preacher, held the knife out. I could cut you up into a thousand pieces. And David Wilkerson said, yes, Nikki. And every piece would say, I love you. <laughs> that's a great story. <laughs> well, if he'd have taken offense. Right. And that's real offense. Right. That's not like your suit's ugly. Right. That's I'm going to kill you. Yeah. And but love just came back out, which means whether he knew it or not, he'd already practiced preemptive forgiveness because right. he took no offense. It was already done and setting him free to just love Nikki. Right. And, and I just love the, that story. If he'd have gone the other way, Nikki Cruz wouldn't have been preaching the gospel. <laughs> yeah. I mean, a little fork in the road and uh, the whole world changes. Amen. Father God, I thank you, Lord, for this uh, time we've had here today and uh, the conversation, uh, talking about forgiveness. Father God, Lord, I pray that it would just speak to hearts and people would be ministered to. Father, I pray for Brother Doug and Wave 94 and the work that you do through him and, and that ministry, Father God. And Lord God, we do pray for America. And Father, we pray for our pastors. We pray for our, our leaders. And Father God, we pray for peace in the city of Jerusalem and the nation of Israel. These things we do pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Brother Doug, it's been great to have you on the show. Thank you. And until next Sunday morning, may the Lord bless you.